0: Christ's building project, even as we're considering a building project, some work is being done on that. We had an update on that at our meeting last Sunday. Uh, but we're, we're recognizing, regardless of what happens with an expansion to our building out that way, we are in the midst of Christ's building project that he has been doing over a couple of thousand years and for over 40 years now uh, in this particular Church, and so we've been going through uh, some portions of Ephesians. We started week one at the end of Ephesians chapter three, finding that a church, the church, is being built on prayer and growing in strength for His glory. Week two, we covered Ephesians four eleven to twelve. We're just going through two verses a week now, and saw last week again, like I already mentioned, that the church that Jesus is building is being built with people, people in certain roles who are equipping others, the saints, to do the work of ministry, and that's how the body of Christ is being built up. But the question is, what does that work of ministry look like? So if he's doing it with people who are doing work, what does the work look like? What is the aim and goal of all that work? The church is busy doing a lot of things, but what is it that we're trying to accomplish? Why do I, as a pastor, preach and teach and care? Why do the deacons do what they do? Why do the elders do what they do? Why do the deaconesses, why do all of you do what you do? Why do we do this? Why do we volunteer? Why do we serve? And so, I think we're going to see that a little more clearly here in the next couple of verses here in Ephesians chapter 4. So, i just lay the argument out. Here's, what, here's, here's the uh, big idea today. Inside your bulletin, sermon notes page where you'll find this. Long sentence, I couldn't make it any shorter Though we are easily deceived and living in a truth-denying world, the church is built when we are united in the faith, knowing Jesus, and growing toward maturity in Him. So at the heart of the church's work is knowing the truth, knowing the truth particularly about the gospel, about Jesus. But the problem about knowing the truth is we are easily deceived. That's been a problem ever since, really, the Garden of Eden. Remember when the serpent came to Eve, said to her, Did God really say? Seeking to deceive her. And she was deceived, and she ate the fruit. And her husband stood passively by and was also deceived, and also ate the fruit. And so we have a hard time, just as humans, knowing and believing what is actually true. And and not only do we have a problem, our world is deceived, and today I would say very confused about what the truth is. So today, in this passage, we're going to hear a lofty goal and also be warned of a dangerous default. There's going to be times where you're going to be kind of feeling like saying amen, and that's okay to say that out loud, or like most of you might do, more, more just internally. There might be other times where you're like, that's a little offensive, or, or like you're telling me I need to grow up, and, and, and yeah, kind of, that's what you're going to hear, because that's what we hear in this passage, and I want the, the tone of the passage to be the tone of my sermon, and in this passage today, we have a word of warning, and I think we sometimes need to hear a word of warning. So, if you have a Bible with you, open it up to Ephesians chapter 4, today we're looking at verses 13 and 14, if you're able to, would you stand as we read the very Word of God? First, let's pray. Father, we've come before you in prayer for those leading the church. Now I come before you in prayer for myself as I have this opportunity to to preach your Word would you work in and through me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I pray uh, that, that those seated here, that those who are fellow saints who are saved through your grace by faith in Jesus, that we would, we would allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that needs to be done, whether that be a work of a conviction or encouragement or whatever needs to be done in us. I pray that you would even draw people to yourself on this morning. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So, very short, Ephesians four thirteen to 14 this portion of God's Word says this, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You can be seated. So that's it. That's what we're covering today. You'll see three points there in your bulletin, each one of them having some application to it as well. And the first point, we're just calling it, the lofty goal. Right there at the beginning of verse 13, we are told of a lofty goal. It begins with the word until, okay, until. So this work that we talked about last week, the work that pastors and shepherds and teachers are doing to equip the saints and the saints are doing the work of ministry, we're going to keep doing that. Like there's going to be work that needs to continually be done in the church until, Okay, so there's a point where it's not needing to be done anymore, and we 're not there yet, okay because it's until we all attain to something attain is is a uh, goal language, so like this is the finish line, this is where we're headed this is this is the end zone right this, this is where we're going together, what we 're shooting for, until we all attain to what I see three things at the beginning there of verse thirteen. Here is what the church is to be attaining, seeking, striving for. What is it? Number one, to the unity of the faith. Notice it says, not to the unity of faith, but to the unity of the faith. That's referring to a shared set of doctrinal beliefs. The faith. Uh, In Jude, he says, contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. This is is the, the doctrinal beliefs of the church, and the call to the church in Ephesus from Paul through the Holy Spirit's work is to tell them you are to be unified in the faith. This is what holds you together. Remember, we talked about last week how Ephesus was a very diverse city. There would have been believers in that city who were rich, some who were poor, some who were Jewish, some who were Gentile some former occult magicians, uh, many former idol worshipers. All these different people, they're going to be very different from each other in lots of different ways, but what unites them together is they are united around the faith, a core set of doctrinal beliefs centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really that next phrase goes right along with it, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. This is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, right? That we would know Jesus. Paul's desire for the church in Ephesus was that they would be growing and united in their knowledge of Jesus. Earlier in the call to worship, Pastor Nick read John fourteen six, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, The church in Ephesus, if they're going to be a growing and healthy church, must be united around the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus. Okay? And then the third thing that we see there in verse 13 is maturity. Literally, it says mature manhood, but he's not using manhood as a way to like, distinguish it from womanhood. He's distinguishing it from boyhood. So he's basically just saying, it's time to grow up, to stop being children. We're no longer children, but we're growing to maturity in Christ. So, that's the lofty goal, to attain to the unity of the faith, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to maturity. That's how the church is going to be built, when we're growing toward those things, in those ways. That's the goal, that's the end zone, that's the finish line. That's where we're headed. That's why we do the work that we do for those purposes. So application for us. That was God's message to the church in Ephesus, and I think the message to the church in Iowa Falls is going to be very, very similar to that. We need to. Here's these things. Let's pursue these goals together. Goal number one, let's pursue unity of the faith together. Like the church in Ephesus, we are different. Our church is diverse in a number of different ways, even in things that we like or enjoy. Some are excited to watch football games this morning, this afternoon. Others just don't care at all, right? Uh, others are, others, like, first language is English. Others, your first language is Spanish. Some people really like politics. Other people don't at all. Some of us are old, and some of us are young. Some like country music, some like good music, right? I've used that one before, but I love it, um, right? But we're different. We're all different from one another, and so what unites us is not that we all think country music is bad, because some of you are wrong and you think it's good, right? But what unites us together is, is that, that we are united around the faith, once for all, delivered to the saints, We are an evangelical free church, and I love the little, I guess you'd call it like preamble. There's like one sentence introduction to our denomination statement of faith. And it says, we are uh, made up of interdependent, autonomous churches. So every church kind of governs itself, but united together around these convictions. And then it lists the 10 things. And just so you know, I mean, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you know that we care about doctrine. We care about sound doctrine. We recognize we're going to disagree on some things, but these 10 things, uh, these are incredibly important to us as a church. And so if you're in the Free Church 101 class, more than half of that 14-week class is spent looking at what do we believe, because this is what unites us with one another. Right? and we just did the, the fall Sunday school class, was called Believe, going over core doctrine, because this is what unites us together. In fact, what we're going to do, starting next Sunday for the next 10 weeks, is during the beginning of the worship service, probably, maybe it'll be a different times, different weeks, but each of the next 10 weeks, we're going to just recite together, what will be on the screen, the 10 articles of our statement of faith, because we need to be reminded we can have differences on all kinds of things, but this is, what we, this is what we believe. This is what holds us together. We unite in the faith. So, uh, well, let's pursue unity of the faith together. Secondly, let's pursue knowledge of Jesus together. Right? Just like Paul told the knowledge of the Son of God. We need to pursue knowledge. This is a mind thing. Right? Part of what we're doing as a church is not just, like, stirring up emotions. We are trying to engage our minds that we might together come to know Jesus more. The heart of the gospel, really, John 17, 3, at the heart of the gospel is knowing Jesus. John 17, 3, here's what Jesus said. And this is eternal life. Well, if Jesus is saying this is eternal life, I want to know what he's going to say next. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, if you you don't know Jesus, you do not have eternal life, right? So at the heart of, of eternal life, at the heart of the gospel, is knowing Jesus. Our church's mission, for a long time, has been simply this, knowing Christ and making him known. We as a church want to know Christ, and we are called by God to make disciples of all nations, and so we want to also make Him known. We can do a lot of other good things as a church, but if we're not seeking to know Christ and make Him known, we're not doing what God is calling us to do, right? So we want to grow. We're going to grow. Our main concern is not growing in number. We want to grow in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We together are going to grow to pursue to know Jesus more and more. And then also growth in maturity. Let's pursue growth in maturity. We're constantly pursuing growth. We want our thinking, our desires, our words and our actions, all of that to be more and more Christ-like. And that's done together we're grateful again like I said for growth in numbers as a church, but we also want to be growing in maturity. So, these are lofty goals, not only to which the church in Ephesus was called, but also lofty goals to which God calls us. Now, when we talk about goals, we usually have a standard. Like a, like here's the goal, here's what I'm aiming for, and then we usually have some kind of standard. So, like if your goal is is getting healthier by losing some weight, you might say, "Well, like I want to lose five pounds, right? So you have like a standard that you're shooting for or you're you're reading. Like I want to read the whole New Testament, right? So we have a standard that we're working towards. You've maybe got a watch that tells you how many steps and your goal is to get 10,000 steps in a day or whatever that might be. Well, what we have in the rest of verse 13 is the standard at which we're looking as we seek after these lofty goals. Look at the end of verse 13 It says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The standard to which we are called is an extremely high standard. You would even say a perfect standard. The goal for the body of Christ is to grow up into the head, into Christ. That's in next week's passage for now though we need to know this the church in Ephesus was not to be content <laughs> they could have maybe had this attitude like hey we had paul basically pastoring us for more than 2 years a lot of the other churches in that region paul had even either stopped by briefly or just kind of run like they probably had a greater degree of knowledge because the Apostle Paul stayed with them for that long, right? So they could have had this kind of arrogant attitude, like we're doing better than most of the other churches in the area. But, but Paul is reminding them, listen, the, the, the standard is Jesus himself, and you ain't there yet, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Application for us. Some of you, like us, are raising kids in your home, and when we think about like growing to maturity, which is what we're seeking to see happen in our children, when we think about like how does how does somebody move from being a child into becoming an adult? Well, part of it is there is physical growth that is happening. And so so you think of like a body kind of being stretched out, a body that was once this big and just keeps getting taller and taller and taller. We've got some really tall students here in our church. And so as our bodies stretch and as they get stronger and stronger, we recognize, well, one thing that's going to be required for bodies to stretch and get stronger is solid food right? You start out just drinking milk, and like that's not going to sustain you for very long. Pretty soon, a little one needs to start eating solid food, and then as we grow and stretch and get strengthened, more and more food. And those of you who are parenting like teenage type kids, you recognize like I didn't know humans could eat that much food. They need more and more food all the time. Like we just got done eating, and they need more food again. Uh, and so recognizing With this standard being Christ and recognizing that we're not there yet, our goal to grow in maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we need to be stretched and strengthened with solid food. So let me just talk about how that looks in our church. We are recognizing that children and youth, we want children and youth in our church to grow toward maturity in Christ. So we don't mess around with children's and youth ministry. If you think about what our kids in Owana are doing, I can't remember, Chris or Tina, you remember like off the top of your head, if they go all the way through Awana, how many verses do they memorize by the end? Do you remember what that is? Like 140 Bible verses, okay? So we've got kids as young as preschool starting to memorize the Word and just adding more and more to that each year. So memorizing great portions of God's Word. We're not messing around with children's ministry. Our Sunday school classes use some... Theologically rich, Jesus centered curriculum that challenges kids. I'm grateful that Pastor Nick is not like some Mountain Dew and youth pastor, uh, Mountain Dew and pizza type youth pastor. He doesn't even like Mountain Dew. Uh, he's just like, hey, give the kids some stuff and have fun together. Pastor Nick has a brilliant mind that he uses to try to make simple the teachings of Scripture at the level that students can understand because we recognize the need to grow with solid meat. Adults, here's the reality. We can get lazy. Look, I mean, there is a point where our bodies kind of stop growing up, and if they're getting stretched, it's more like, you know, horizontal rather than vertical. That happens as adults. But when it comes to growing in spiritual maturity, the standard is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and there is no one in this church who's there yet. And so adults, let's not become lazy as we seek to grow in our knowledge of the Son of God, in our unity of the faith, knowing what it is that we believe. We must continue to grow in that. Because it's possible to be in the church for years and years and still being spoon-fed or still drinking from a bottle. Let's seek to grow together in Christ. Hebrews 5 says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... we are not there yet, and our desire would be to continually grow in Christ. So, so I need to be reading the Bible more on my own. Maybe I need to also. Maybe I can't. I can't memorize like I once did, but I can memorize some things. I'm going to commit myself to memorizing some scripture. I'm going to come like when there's a Sunday school class, I'm going to be there. A Bible study, I'm going to do it. You know. Um, we, we started, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, putting this pastor's picks shelf in the back. Um, we, we put that there in part because both Pastor Nick and I have been grown up informed in many ways through books. Because here's the, here's the thing that happens in our culture. We have kind of been trained to think a little bit about a lot of things. So we know a little bit about a lot of things. Uh, But I think it's good for our minds as we seek to grow in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to think more deeply about some really important things. So we intentionally put resources out there that we think will help us to think more deeply about some really important things. Okay? So, so I'd encourage you to check that out and, and, and maybe push yourself in that way. Here's one thing that I'm doing. I told the elders and deacons, I've told them this before, but I told them again. Uh, so, so when I came, I had to be licensed in the Evangelical Free Church. I'd been ordained in the church I came from, but the Evangelical Free Church is different. And so I had to go through this process. I became licensed, and then I had to wait three years before being ordained. I'm, I'm on my 12th year of being pastor here, and I haven't done it yet. Okay, uh, I've got all sorts of really good excuses as to why I haven't done that, uh, but uh, I need to. Like, part of that is writing this extensive paper, uh, looking at our core doctrinal beliefs, the unity of the faith that we're all seeking to have, and making sure I can answer questions and objections that people might have to that. I'm going to finish that up here relatively soon. And if <laughs> hey, what are you laughing at? Uh, I'm going to, uh, and, and when I do that, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to say, like, hey, would you, would you like to just read that? And then we'll have a time where you can just come and you can ask me any questions. Like, you can push me, you can challenge me, because I need to practice that anyway. So, like, just things like that. You're invited into that process. We want to be people who are diving in deeper, thinking more. Like, growing in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, growing to maturity requires us to have our minds stretched and strengthened with solid food. Okay? So those are some ways in which we're doing that. And then we've got verse 14. Here's where the warning comes. The goal, again, is to have unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God as we grow together toward maturity, but this doesn't just happen. Like most goals that you have, like you can say, like my goal, going back to the other ones I used, like, is to lose weight. But if you don't change anything that you've already been doing, it's probably not going to happen. Right? Your goal to get a certain number of steps. If you don't get up and walk, you're not going to get there. right? So, so the default is basically that we're not going to attain those goals. We're not going to grow. That's the default. So third point, verse 14, the dangerous default. If we are not striving for those things we've talked about, this is where we will end up. Verse 14, let me just read it again. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So there's this contrast you've got the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ on one side and then you've got children on the other side who are kind of quickly knocked over by waves. I actually thought like maybe I should show a YouTube video. So I did spend a little bit of time this week looking at YouTube videos of kids getting knocked over by waves. It was kind of funny. But like you know what if I show that during the worship service you're going to forget the Word of God. You're going to remember how funny it was when the kids got knocked over by waves. So look at it on your own time. Uh, uh, But you get the idea that like children are going to be more easily knocked over, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. So he says, let's not be that. In Ephesus teachers and teachings of all kinds would come through that city. Remember, it was this important port city. So you've got people traveling in both by sea and by land, and they were enamored with like all sorts of crazy magical things and all sorts of different teachings. So people were kind of like attracted to, oh, what's the latest thought? right? So that's what many people in Ephesus had been doing throughout their lives. And if you in Ephesus were not growing in maturity in Christ as a part of the church and the knowledge of the truth, you would be like a child tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. Some of it was just flat out uh, deceitful and false teaching. He says, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So, application for us. We don't live in an important port city, right? Uh, That's not Iowa Falls, but we do have the internet, right? So we have all kinds of ideas coming at us uh, all the time. And like the people in Ephesus, we are in danger. The default position is we are going to be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So here's a warning for us. Whether we think it is or not, the current current is carrying us. The current current is carrying us. If I were to say in the month of May, I'm not going to do it now, but in the month of May, if I were to go just behind our property here, right down there to the edge of our property and hop into the Iowa River and sit myself on a tube, within, I don't know, maybe an hour or so, I would find myself, without any work on my part, just sitting there on a tube, I would find myself going over the dam. I don't know how long it would take, maybe an hour. But I wouldn't have to do anything. All I would have to do is just sit there, and by just sitting there and being there, I'm going to be carried along by the current. Church, we are in the river. right? If you go to school, if you go to work, if you have a phone, if you watch TV, like we are in the current. And, And if we are thinking that we're not being affected by the world around us, we need to be warned here that we are. We are sitting on a tube in the river and the current current is carrying us. And if we are not helping one another to swim upstream, then we are headed down to the dam not too long from now. The world that our kids are growing up in is a world in which they are being taught That the greatest authority is their own inner feelings, and the key to a happy life, and the way to help others live a happy life, is to simply affirm them and what they're feeling inside and what they identify as, right? That's what makes the LGBTQ movement possible. This kind of understanding that there is no authority outside of me that I need to conform to, but the authority is inside of me, and whatever I'm feeling, that's the reality, and you need to respect my reality and affirm that in every way. That's the, that's the mindset, that's the current culture's current and we're probably being more swayed by it than we think. I've been reading this book that Pastor Nick got me for Christmas called Strange New World. It's a really good book. It's stretching my brain. Uh, if you want your brain to be stretched and you don't mind diving into some history and philosophy, it's a great book to help explain uh, how we got to where we are. Okay? So we've got a couple copies of it out on the pastor's pick shelf. Uh, you might want to, to check that out if you're willing to dive in kind of deep here. But the fact is this, if we are not actively unifying ourselves around the faith, a set set of doctrines, if we're not uniting ourselves around the knowledge of the Son of God and growing together toward maturity in Him, if we are not working overtime to ground ourselves and our kids in the truth, the fact is the current current will carry us to a destructive place. And then finally, destructive doctrines can deceive us. It says here, human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Those things are real. They're thoughts and ideas that at first seem pretty harmless. That's why they're called crafty and deceitful. But the things being taught not just in public schools and in the media, but the things being taught in churches often are deceptive and destructive. There's another book out there that this one's a little lighter. It's a little more like autobiographical uh, coming from somebody who used to live a totally different kind of life. God saved her and, uh, and, and she wrote this book called Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Uh, that might be a helpful book to just kind of try to understand what's, what's the deceptive teaching, the lies that are being taught in the world that we live in, and how do we as Christians counteract those things? So, uh, so just some resources maybe for you uh, to consider. If, if they're all gone by the end of the day today, we can order more. Um, so uh, so if, if those are interesting to you, check that out. But here, here's the reality. Church, we are living in a truth-denying world, and we are easily deceived. And as your pastor, a shepherd called in part, like we talked about earlier, called to protect the flock, My way of protecting you today is by warning you. Helping us to see what we see in Scripture. Acknowledging that the times that we live in are scary. But let me end with hope. I want to just end with a quick bit of hope. And that is this. Our sure and steady Savior is securing us. Our sure and steady Savior is securing us. We are not out floating on the river alone. We are standing together the church being built by Christ himself, the church being built on truth, we are being held secure by our sure and steady Savior, the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so as the winds and the waves push us and pull us and threaten to take us all kinds of different directions, may we be people who decide we will stand firm in Christ who is our sure and steady anchor. Even though, yes, our world denies the truth, we are easily deceived. God, help us to be a church, together, united in the faith, knowing Jesus and growing together toward maturity in Him. Let's pray. Father, we come to You the only way we can. We come to You through Your Son, who said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to you except for through him. So we come to you through your son. Thank you that he is building his church. And God, I pray that you would just help us to no longer be children. Help us to be aware of the way that the winds and the waves are taking us. And would you protect us from human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes, like it says in this passage. Would you help us to grow to maturity? Would you help us to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God? Our hope truly is in Him and in Him alone. He really is our sure and steady anchor as the winds and the waves go whipping around us. And so, anchor us in Him. We need it please do that for your glory. In his name we pray. Amen.